Welcome to the Entrepreneur of the Month podcast brought to you by GetResponse, the marketing software with more than 300,000 customers around the globe. My name is Jamie Turner. I'm an author, speaker, and an ambassador for GetResponse, and I'll be your host for today's show. Before we dive in, let me just remind you that GetResponse will be hosting ResponseCon in Boston on April 9th and 10th of 2019. I was there last year. I'll be there in 2019. Absolutely a terrific thing if you're interested in learning expert tips from some of the best and brightest minds in marketing. You don't want to miss ResponseCon in Boston on April 9th and 10th of 2019. Speaking of experts, I'm really happy to have back with us today Bob Berg, who is the co-author of The Go-Giver and The Go-Giver Leader, and he's got a new book out called The Go-Giver Influencer, which is a little story about a most persuasive idea. Bob, glad to have you back. Great to be back with you, Jamie. Excellent. Now, last time you were on the show, we were talking about influence, the power of influence, the power of building bridges between people so that you can talk to them in a healthy way and in a, a win-win scenario. We went through two of the five secrets of genuine influence, and there was so much to unpack. We, we just got through two of them. I'd like to ask you about the third one, which is setting the frame. So I was wondering if you could just kind of walk us through in the book you talk about this, what does that mean, setting the frame? Yeah, you know, <laughs> setting the frame is so important. If you do this correctly, you're really 90% of, of the way there to getting the results you want. And a frame is simply the, um, it's the premise, if you will, the foundation from which everything else evolves. Can I share a, a great frame uh, setting story with you? Yeah, I would love to hear it, fire away. This is my favorite one and it had nothing to do with the business. Uh, I was in a Dunkin' Donuts restaurant where I live in South Florida. Now I know your big event next year is gonna be in Boston, uh, which is of course Dunkin' Donuts Mecca, that's where it's all started. But this was in a uh, Florida store. And as I was, uh, as I was having my Dunkin' coffee, uh, <laughs> there was a little boy about two, two and a half years old who was running around the store. Now. His parents called him over to their table, and as he, he went to walk over, he took a spill on the floor. He fell. Now, he, he wasn't hurt, you could tell. But you could also tell that he was shocked. He was surprised. This, this had not happened to him, apparently, and he didn't know what to do with it, right? So he looked at his mom and dad for their interpretation of the event. What happened, happened. He wanted to know, what does this really mean? Now, I truly believe that had the parents gotten upset and panicky and, oh, no, are you okay? He'd have started to cry. Mm -hmm. But what they did, Jamie, they handled it so beautifully. Uh, they walked over quickly, but very calmly. Um, they smiled. They applauded. They laughed. They said, oh, that looks like so much fun. What a good trick. And immediately the little boy began to laugh. Yeah. What the parents did is they set a productive frame from which he could operate. And we can do that with anyone based on how we decide to approach the situation. And it, it, it might be, whether it's a smile, a, a handshake, it might be in the letter, the, the first email we write or whatever it happens to be. And so, a frame, a positive frame can always be set. Now, what happens though when someone comes to a situation with a negatively set frame? Uh, if we buy into that and we operate out of their frame, it's gonna probably be a lose-lose. 
So instead, we want to reframe the situation. Uh, let's take a, a situation, and we're going to say uh, that this is an in-person situation, an in-person sales setting, if we may. Um, you're about to do a presentation. The the prospective customer kind of seems like they're defensive. They're a little angry. They let you know that they're not some easy sell or, you know, what have you, right? It's who knows why it is. Maybe this person doesn't trust themselves. Maybe they've had a bad day. Maybe they were taken advantage of before. I don't know. But we're not going to buy into that that frame, which is one of defensiveness and anger. So what if we we adjust, reset the frame by starting out like this? You know, Mary, while we've been able to help a lot of people with this product, uh, whether or not this is the right answer for you, we simply can't know without exploring deeper and determining whether it meets your needs. So please know our conversations for both of us to discover this. And if it does, great. If not, that's okay too. All that makes complete sense. I love that. So framing things, I'm reminded of a couple of things I've had happen in my life where that support exactly what you're talking about. When you, when you kind of establish, I guess the ground rules or the premise or the approach to things, it, it changes the environment. I have had situations where I'm in a debate with somebody they will say something smart that is counter to my argument. And I'll go in and say, actually, that's a very good point. And I haven't thought of that. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take that into consideration. I remember doing that in one sort of contentious debate. It was about spirituality and religion. And as mm -hmm. you might imagine, things get sometimes heated. And the person said something really smart. And I said, that's, that's really smart. I'm going to actually change my point of view on that segment of what we're talking about. And it reframed the whole environment because sure. then what they did was they came in going, oh, those are the ground rules. I, th I thought, it goes back to what you said in the first episode, I'm right and you're evil. And it went to, oh, I'm right and you have a different opinion. And it kind of changed changed everything, which was really terrific. So you, let me you ask changed you. It. Yeah, yeah, go you, ahead. You changed it from being adversarial to being two allies, just looking for truth rather than looking just to be right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That works out perfectly. So one of the other of the of the five are communicate with tact and empathy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, this is really what begins to bring it on home. Uh, tact. My, my dad has always defined tact as the language of strength. And I've always enjoyed that definition because to me, uh, it takes strength to be tactful. It takes strength to control your emotions. It takes tact to not just uh, see this person through your eyes, but, but think about it first and see the situation through their eyes. It takes tact to not buy into uh, a strength, rather, to not buy into another person's frame. It takes tact to not just uh, react to a, to a nasty email and fire it off without thinking about it. You know, Jamie, tact is really the ability to communicate an idea to someone that they otherwise may not have may not have enjoyed, okay? Mm -hmm. And do so in such a way that not only are they not defensive toward you and resistant to your idea, but they're open to you and more accepting of your idea. Tact is powerful. Wow. Now, empathy which is defined by the dictionary simply as the identification with or vicarious experiencing of another person's feelings. Really, it goes deeper than that because just like we don't know what another person's thinking, we don't necessarily know what the other person's feeling. 
because we're not them. We haven't had their experiences. So tact, I mean, empathy is really communicating to that person through either what you say, how you say it, or often just by who you are showing up a certain way. It's communicating that, hey, I may not understand exactly how you feel, but I understand you're feeling something. Yeah. And that this something is troubling and I'm here with you to help work through it. Tact and empathy, absolutely powerful. Wow. Love that. Now, the fifth one is one of my favorite. It's letting go of having to be right, which is, I mean, just reading that, I'm like, that right there is gold. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, sure. And, and this is the, the real counterintuitive one, right? Because we're talking about influence, which is moving that other person to a, a different thought, action, decision, what have you. And then we're saying, let go of having to be right. Doesn't that make you less influential? No, actually, it makes you more influential. First, understand that we're not talking about not wanting to be right. No, you want to be right. You prefer to be right. You're going to prepare to be right. What we're saying, Jamie, is to let go of the attachment to having to be right. And when you do that, a couple of things happen. One is you open yourself up to knowledge, like you did with that friend of yours you, with whom you were in that conversation. Yeah. You were exploring that, hey, you know, maybe I'm not 100% right. He's made a good point or she's made a good point. This is something worthy of consideration. That doesn't mean we have to agree with it, but at least we're open to knowing that we're not necessarily 100% right. We're human beings. This is opposite of that person who's so stuck in a position that, you know, I, I call it, don't confuse me with the facts. My mind is already made up. Yeah. And these are the people who fall victim to confirmation bias, which is defined exactly as it sounds. If, if you come across some new information that confirms your already held beliefs or biases, you'll agree with it. If not, you'll reject it. You'll simply ignore it. Okay. And a person who does that, uh, they can't grow. They can't ever know any more than they do now. And typically, people who are stuck in that realm, they don't even know as much as they think they know, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so, so when you let go of having to be right, you let yourself go into learner's mode, which makes you more knowledgeable, which actually makes you stronger. But here's the other thing. When this person, just like your friend in that conversation, when that person understands that you're not just looking to be right, you're not just looking to be right at their expense, but you're looking for truth, now they become a lot more amenable to your ideas and exploring your truths and being open to you and your ideas. I like that. And that idea of going into learner's mode that that's a, a, another one of those nuggets that you're giving that that just sort of is easy to remember. And we enter into debates and dialogues and, you know, trying to persuade people and all that sort of stuff. But if we, if we enter into them from being in a learner's mode, then what we do is they understand that intuitively and they realize, hey, there's, here's somebody who just wants to have a dialogue with me and, and learn about what it is I'm talking about. I got another question for you. you. You say there's one sentence that's guaranteed to prevent misunderstandings. Tell us that sentence. I'd love to hear what, what the story is behind that. Yeah, well, this goes back to belief systems again and, and understanding that we all see things from our own unique points of view. And we often think we understand what another person's saying, or we think they understand what we're thinking, and the chances are we don't and they don't. And so uh, let's, let's take a situation where um, 
some people uh, are on a work project. There's a small work team. And the team leader says, it's Monday morning, the team leader says, hey, uh, I've just been contacted, uh, just been told that the the project uh, has to uh, really take priority. We need to get this, what you need to have your work on this completed as soon as possible, okay? Uh-huh. And everybody says, yeah. So now it's Wednesday afternoon, five o'clock, end of day. Only one person on the team has their work completed. Why? Well, this person's been working with this team leader for a while, so they know that as soon as possible means drop everything else right now and get this done. Uh Another person comes from a team where as soon as possible means complete what you're doing right now, then get this done right away. Another person comes from another company on their team as soon as possible meant nothing. Just give it lip service and keep doing what you're doing. So you've got four different people, three different definitions of the same word so or term so what if one of the people on the team had said to the team leader uh hey uh susan just for my own clarification and by the way just for my own clarification that's an example of tact (laughs) okay that's right yeah yeah just for my own clarification or just to make sure i'm on the same you know page when you say uh as soon as possible is there a, a specific date or time you have in mind And so then the team leader says, yes, Wednesday afternoon, five o'clock. So now the term as soon as possible has just one definition for everyone. And so the one key question you can ask is simply to ask them to define their terms. When you say so-and-so, or if I may ask, what exactly do you mean when you say so-and-so? Or is there a specific when you say so-and-so? Oh, that's great. I, you know, I love all of that. I, 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 when I, in my youth, I wish I had had, for some reason, I, I didn't, I thought it was wrong or impolite. I don't know what baggage I was carrying around, but, but I, I thought it would be wrong to say what I think you, I hear you saying is, and then fill in the blanks, because I, I guess I assumed that that would mean I hadn't listened the first time, but but today, as a hopefully wiser person, I always do that. I say, this is what I'm hearing you say. Do I have it right? And it's just a technique. And it turns out people are honored by that. They go in and they go, oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. First of all, they give you the course corrections. And then second yeah. of all, they're honored by the fact that you got 80% of what they said right. And then right. They gotta, yeah. Yeah. They give you a few more of those, those course corrections. Um, uh, here's an interesting one. Eight key words that will practically always move a person to your side of an issue. What What are those eight key words, if you don't mind jumping on that? Mm-hmm. And the context here is that you're asking someone to do something for you that they don't have to do. Mm-hmm. It could, and it could be that that bureaucrat at city hall. It could be the customer service person who's not providing good service. It, it could be the per, you know, the gate agent at the airport who doesn't need to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and so you've you've uh, you're you're utilizing the five uh, principles we've been discussing, and you've been polite, and you've been patient, and so forth. Now. So it gets to the point where now that they either need to come through for you or not. And so the eight key words are, are this. If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Wow. Okay. If you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. And what you've done right there is you frame this in such a way that you, while you've let them know that you, you believe they can, 
and that you have confidence in them that they can, if it's something they truly can't do or they would get in trouble for, you will understand and it will be okay because they are more important than the result. So if you can't do it, I'll definitely understand. Now, that's often all you need. If you want, you can add the words. If you could, I'd certainly appreciate it. And you could probably see the smile on my face as I, yeah. as I say yeah. that, okay? Yeah. And so when you ask that way, wow, what a difference. And you will get about 95% of the time, if they can possibly do it, they will. Oh, I love that. Uh, such great wisdom. Uh, it's always great catching up with you because you've got so many smart things to say. I really appreciate it. Bob, where can people find out uh, more about you and also about your new book, The Go-Giver Influencer? Sure. Best place is at the website, The Go-Giver, without the hyphen, thegogiver.com. They can scroll down the page and and, uh, click on the different books that they would like to uh, look at and read a couple of chapters, see if they like it, then they can always click through if they'd like. Ah, that's terrific. Bob Berg, uh, the co-author of The Go-Giver Influencer with John David Mann. Thank you for joining us. Really glad to have you on board with us on the Entrepreneur of the Month podcast, which, by the way, is brought to you by your friends and our friends at Get Response. Um, join us again soon. And as always, look for us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and get res- at also at GetResponse.com slash resources. This is Jamie Turner, and I'll catch you next time.